Team Team, Boafik, I hope you're ready to discuss Caribbean literature. I'm Mayla, a romance author from Guadeloupe. This is how I present myself today, but it took me about 20 years to give myself permission to write about my people falling in love and finding happiness. Why? Well, thank you for asking and I'm going to tell you why. I never got to read about Caribbean people being happily in love until 2019. And chances are, especially if you're listening to this podcast in 2021, you probably haven't either. That's why I decided to record my discussions with Caribbean authors who will give you an idea of their motivations and the issues they faced to get their romance stories published. My hope is for you to be inspired to write, to buy, because we're here to support, and to read romance stories set in the Caribbean with Caribbean people. On why. Tim Tim, Boafik, welcome back. This is part two of my discussion with author Eugenia O'Neill. Make sure to check out part one first, though. So for today's episode, we'll talk about her book, Jamaica Dreaming. It's the love story between Julissa, an African-American jazz singer, and Sebastian, a Chinese-Jamaican businessman. There's no major spoiler in our discussion. We mostly talked about social representation from a Caribbean perspective. So, of course, we talked about colorism, but also the racial diversity that mainstream media tend to erase when it comes to the discourse around the Caribbean. Tim Tim, Tim Do you remember how you came up with the idea for Jamaica Dreaming? I think I wanted to do a series of books of or romances at the time set on different islands. Uh, Jamaica is an island on which I've spent a lot of time and about I, I know a lot about the culture and the history uh, of Jamaica. So I thought that I'd already done Virgin Islands. I would, I would do um, something set in Jamaica and I think, you know, I started, you start thinking about the ideas, at least I do, long before I actually sit down to, to write. So I think with Jamaica Dreaming, I read about uh, a jazz artist. And I thought that's, you know, we don't normally see a, a jazz musician or blues musician in a romance, or at least I haven't. Um, I would like to make my character uh, a singer. So that's how I came up with, with uh, the heroine. And with the hero, I wanted to feature a character. I, a lot of people don't know that the, the Chinese, that there are other ethnicities in Jamaica and that they have had a long history in Jamaica. And so I wanted, I wanted two ethnicities and I didn't want one that was white. I, I didn't want to do, quite often when we do interracial, people write interracial, it's white and black. But I wanted a, a, another uh, race in it. You didn't want to write about a black and black couple for, the, for this story? Well, I've done, for, no, not, not, not for that story. I think I wanted, having, going to set it in Jamaica, I wanted to show that there's a range there um, in the Virgin Islands, we don't have 
that long history of other ethnicities. It's really been just uh, since emancipation is just mainly black people. So, um, you know, so, so in just in the period, it was just two black people, but I wanted to show the range for Jamaica or in Jamaica. Can you give us three words to describe your book? I think it's cultural. It, 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 it shows the culture of Jamaica and it showcases certain aspects of that island that perhaps people might not think about, the art and, and, and so on. I think with the, the heroine, it shows the vulnerability of a Black woman who has had who has had some trauma in her past and who overcomes it. And she overcomes it on her own. And that way she's able to meet somebody, you know, um, halfway. She, she has worked on healing herself. So now she can be open to the experience of romance and um, love. Three, you said, huh? Yes. <laughs> Will I fail if I don't come up with three? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, all I can say is that I think the Caribbean, it's a Caribbean book. It's set in the Caribbean and, and, and it shows the culture and the, 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 the life beyond the tourist imaginations of life in the Caribbean. My three words were, number one, trauma, because... Like you said, um, Julissa, the lead character, uh, has to heal before she can fall in love again. And uh, I really enjoyed how it's a journey for her. And she really tries to, to stand up for herself. The second <laughs> word was self-awareness. And it, okay. and it was also for Sebastian because... Honestly, at first, I didn't like him. No. <laughs> I, I thought he was too, too arrogant. I wouldn't say arrogant, but mm -hmm. you see, he's used to have his ways. So yeah. I, I felt like he didn't give enough space to Julissa to figure out if she mm -hmm. actually wanted to be with him. And But I mm -hmm. really enjoyed how at some point, because... You have the you have both point of views, so he realizes that he's coming off too strong and he's too intense, and he takes a step back. So I so that's why when I say self awareness, it's about her, but it's also about him. And my third right. word was sensual, and it's not so much about the um, the the love scenes, but it's about how. Julissa experience being in Jamaica and she hears, I mean, it's about the sounds, um, the, um, the food she eats also. So it's all this experience of Jamaica through her eyes, although she's African-American, mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like it was just a tourist. I really felt like she wanted to know the culture wasn't just about having fun. I am so happy to hear what you got out of the out of the story. Um, as a Caribbean person living in the Caribbean, I have been tired of fiction that shows somebody coming in and living the life of a tourist. And it's a very different life to the life that people who live here experience. Um, 
even the ones who try to, I don't know, go native or something, it, it, it's still a sort of othering that happens when some writers write about the Caribbean, especially if they're not from the Caribbean. In fact, mostly if they're not from the Caribbean. And I wanted to show how somebody could come from abroad and be part of the culture, not feel that they are above the culture or that they are slumming or, you know, um, any of the things that, that people might feel when they go to a different country. So I, I, I think that that's, I'm so glad that you got that from, from, from the book. I mean, that, that makes me, that makes me happy as does Sebastian's um, thing, because I did want to show him, you know, he's rich, he's handsome, he's used to getting everything he wants. And then he meets somebody who he wants, but he's not able to get her just um, like that. So I, I like that too. How did you come up with the physical descriptions? Because as I'm reading more and more Caribbean books, and I think the writers don't realize it, but they often use negative words or they would use something that make the character sound exotic. And it's like the point of view of someone outside. It's not like some a Caribbean writer writing about someone who is at the center of the story. So it shouldn't be exotic. The exotic character should be the white character who comes in or something like that. And especially for Black people, Black characters, you, how do you come up with your physical descriptions for your characters? I know that, I mean, from the start, you know, I know that Black people have You know, we've, we've been denigrated, our parents has been denigrated, our skin culture, our, our skin color, our hair, etc., has been denigrated. So I want to depict us positively, um, but I also want to do it perhaps subtly so that, you know, I'm not, you know, people are not going to say, oh, this is a political kind of thing, or, or it, it, they will be able to absorb it perhaps better. It's like the thing that... Um, my aunt used to say about being able to attract more flies with honey than with vinegar. So I try to put in subtly the, the descriptions and how I come up with the descriptions, basically looking at the looking at myself, looking at the people around me and thinking about their features or thinking about their hair. How would I describe them if they were, if, if, if I were describing a good friend to a blind person to somebody who couldn't see them, how would I make that person um, see them? How would I describe that person? And I'm not going to be using, or at least I'm going to try not to be using descriptions that are going to um, subconsciously put those people down or put the features down or try to buttress the self-hatred that you know many of us feel because of centuries of brainwashing, um, centuries of being told that we are lesser than and, and so on. So I have a responsibility as a writer to be conscious of how I describe us. And uh, I was wondering, why did you decide to tackle the colorism issue? Because So we were talking about how to describe the black skin. And there's this scene when Sebastian talks about Julissa. And uh, I think it's his daughter who says she's, she's dark like tar. 
and uh, that was so hurtful. And I mean, I know some people grow up hearing stuff like this still today. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the fact that it comes from a young person and it was an underlying theme also in the book, how the young generation also deals with that. So can you tell us why mm-hmm. did you decide to talk about this issue? Colorism is a huge issue. It's an issue uh, in the whole transatlantic um, black world. I mean, sales of bleaching cream are through the roof in Nigeria, um, Ghana, and Jamaica. And I didn't think that I could write about black people and not address colorism because colorism is related to racism and it tends to be pervasive in Jamaica. So if, if you know um, if you know much about Jamaican music, for example, you would know that Buju Banton put out a song years ago um, saying something about he's looking for a browning or he wants a browning. What he, mean, he, what he meant by that is that he wants somebody who's brown skin, somebody who's lighter. And he did put out a song after that, trying to, you know, because he, he, he got some um, pushback for that. But it's pervasive. Um, there's another singer who, uh, of course, I'm not remembering his name now, but he put out a song talking about black like tar, but making it a positive thing. Um, uh, he's a reggae singer also. So when you watch, and I watch some videos and so on in preparation for the book and different kinds of videos. And I fell in, one of, one of the videos was, a, was a, an interview with people who bleach in Jamaica. Um, Vibes Cartel is a singer who bleaches and is very public about his bleaching and promotes bleaching. And um, these were younger people saying that they didn't see anything wrong with it and so on and so forth. So I felt that it, it's something that needed to be, I, I, colorism is something I address, for example, quite often on my Facebook page and so on, because we are not, we are very far away now from the days of um, black power and black is beautiful and so on. Prepared to have felt that those kinds of movements and, and that kind of rhetoric was no longer necessary. And so what we have now is an epidemic of bleaching. Um, we have an epidemic of people who believe that they need to be lighter in order to progress in the society. And to some extent, they are correct. When you look at who the elites are often throughout the Caribbean, they are the lighter skinned people. They are the, you know, they're, they're the brown people. They are the um, inheritors of the um, plantation legacy who remained, you know, the mulattoes and the light skinned people and, and so on. And they are the privileged people quite often in the society. So when you are, you hear people saying, oh, um, you know, I want to get ahead in life and or, or men like light-skinned women or 
women like light-skinned men, you know that, you know, I mean, there's something there, they're not lying. You know, um, there's there was a study done, I think in 2018 or 2019 in the US, which showed that light-skinned women are 55%, that light-skinned women are more likely to be married, I think almost twice as likely to be married as dark-skinned women, right? So it was important for Julissa to be dark-skinned and it was important to face those issues head on. Even when I'm writing fiction, I'm still very political and I'm still, I'm still trying to push things. Yeah, but I, I, that's why I think romance is very important to show people how you can be loved even if you have dark skin. And to show also that, I mean, Sebastian is Chinese Jamaican. And um, I think, I mean, at least in French Caribbean romance, the few books that I've read so far, the lead character, the lead male character is always white. We need to have also black lead mm -hmm. characters to show that black mm -hmm. men can also be loved and black men can also mm -hmm. be affectionate and love mm -hmm. other black women also. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm pushing for romance. Yes, yes, no, good for you. Um, like I said, my Justin Affair, the first, the very first book is, it's two dark skinned people. But um, I do think that it's also important in the Caribbean to show that we are, we're not just, you know, all of us, we're not just, some islands don't just have black people, they have people of other, um, other races and other ethnicities because, you know, quite often they are invisibilized perhaps to some extent. So that was my rationale with them, but um, Julissa had to be black and she had to be an object of desire for this, um, this successful man. If, if I could just say also, if, if you want to improve your descriptions in general, read a lot of poetry, read um, Walcott, read Caribbean poets. They do a lot with, in a very short um, uh, time frame. They are, when, when, I, when I want inspiration in terms of my writing, quite often I will turn to poetry. Okay. Well, how much do you pay attention to authenticity in your writing? Because there's a debate right now on the Caribbean bookstagram about what makes a book Caribbean, authentically Caribbean. And even when the author is Caribbean and writes about Caribbean characters, sometimes you will hear, well, I didn't feel like I was in the Caribbean. And other times the book will use situations that don't sound Caribbean at all and people don't see it. And they will go, yes, this is so Caribbean. So how do you, as an author, how much do you think about how people will receive your writing and will they say it's authentic or not? Okay, well, first, what you said there about people saying, oh, this is authentically Caribbean, this is Caribbean, when you don't think that it is, or when others from the Caribbean don't think that it is, means that what the, what the writer has done is fulfilled 
the stereotypes or the expectations of the people who are reading it, who expect a certain kind of Caribbean. And that's what that author gave them. Um, how do I dress? I, at first, when I write, I'm not really thinking about the audience. You know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about the characters and I'm thinking about, for me also, I think that the, the landscape, the culture, the, the milieu of the characters is a character as well. So I have to think about what is that landscape like? Um, that, that's, I'm not thinking about what anybody might expect. I know the Caribbean very well. I have traveled. There are very few islands or countries that I haven't been to. So I know them very well. Jamaica, as I said, I spent a lot of time there. I visited there quite often. So I, I know what it is like. I know what the issues of, of Jamaicans are like. Um, to speak about authenticity, I think that if a writer from the Caribbean is true, is true to the characters, the Caribbean characters, and true to the actual landscape, that that's going to be authentic. Um, it, it has to be authentic. And they can't just, for example, you know, in Jamaica, you have great disparities in wealth. You have the people who live on in, in, in um, Bellevue, I think that's the name of it. And they can see the lesser advantaged people and their houses way down below the, the, the mountain. Um, it's important to recognize and acknowledge both, not to just write about the mansions or the beaches or whatever. Um, you know, you can leave that up to the tourism marketing people, but you have to immerse yourself fully and, 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 and represent that immersion as truthfully as you can. Um, to be authentically, and, and, and you will be authentically Caribbean. I've never, I, until I saw your, um, your question, I never really thought, am I being authentically Caribbean? I don't know. Jessamine was set, I made up an island for Jessamine, St. Crescent, because I didn't want, I wanted elements of different islands that I've been to. Um, so I had elements of Virgin Islands, uh, Tortola, I had elements of St. Lucia and Barbados in St. Crescens to give me that particular environment that I wanted. And there are people who read it and thought, wow, which island is St. Crescent? I want to go there, you know, because <laughs> it, it was so real to them. But that is because I, I, I know the Caribbean, so I can represent the, the full Caribbean, I think. Um, of course, I, I would leave it to readers to, to, to determine, but I primarily want to know from Caribbean people and Caribbean people of all demographics, whether or not they think that my books or my work represents them. Jamaica Dreaming was the first book of a series. So are there other books? 
Um, I have, I have, I have, I have thought of the other books. I've written the outlines, but um, I have not really begun them. Yeah, since Jamaica Dreaming, I think I've put out two other books, which are the nonfiction. And right now, I'm working on research for another nonfiction. So I don't know when I'll get back to them. Oh, one of the things that I do when I um, and this is just for other people, for you, because you said you wanted to be a writer or you wanted to write them. One of the things that I do is I create a folder. Um, so Jamaica Dreaming, I had a folder in which I put in pictures of people that I thought looked like Julissa, pictures of people that I thought looked like Sebastian, um, the house where he lives, rooms, you know, from from uh, uh, home decorating magazines or whatever, of what his home might look like, um, pictures of the art that he has up on his wall, that that type of thing, so that you're immersing yourself in in that, um, you know, you're you're building you're building your world as you're going along, and so it makes it easier when you are writing because then you have. You, you have an idea of what the, the person looks like because you've been taking models from magazines or whatever. So you have an idea of what the people in your book look like and you can use that as a springboard for your story. Thank you. Tim Tim, 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 So can you tell us how did you get your first book published? Well, maybe not your first book, since we were talking about uh, Jamaica Dreaming, how did you get Jamaica Dreaming published? Okay, well, I will say my first book was just an affair, and it was traditionally published. In other words, I um, sent out queries to publishers in the United States. Um, they expressed no interest, and then I sent it to uh, an American, an African-American publisher, who was interested and they're the ones who published it. Unfortunately, I have to say that um, quite often publishers, unless it's big publishers, sometimes you can be um, vulnerable to not getting royalties or to not getting what is your due. So uh, unfortunately that was an issue with that publisher, that first publisher, and they've gone out of business because I wasn't the only person that they did that to, um, which was what led me to decide that I would self-publish uh, Jamaica Dreaming. So I didn't send it out to any publishers. I, um, I came up with a cover. I think I, I hired a cover artist And uh, basically I uploaded it to the different publishing platforms, um, Kindle Direct Publishing, Nook Press, uh, et cetera, uh, myself. So I, I think that publishing in the Caribbean is now helped by the fact that you have online publishers. Publishing in the Caribbean isn't, it's not for the faint of heart, If you, you know, if you find a publisher who's willing to publish your book, you may or may not get your royalties. Um, you know, they, it, it may help with passive the prestige of saying, well, you have a publisher. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's really, um, 
there's not really much much else uh, going for it. So I, I, I would recommend that people look into self-publishing. Self-publishing. And when you say self-publishing, you mean just ebooks or also physical copies? I think physical copies as well as ebooks because, um, and, and Kindle Direct Publishing now allows you to do both and you have other um, platforms that allow you to do both. Um, draft to digital is a, a pretty good platform that will allow you to do both. I think there are some people, I have to confess that I, even though some of my books or stories are only available on Kindle or ebook or as ebooks, I prefer, I prefer an actual book, you know, a book book, like the books behind you. Um, I, I prefer having something, you know, paper to hold in my hand. And so There are lots of people like that. So I wouldn't say only publish on Kindle. I would say also look into the, the you know, being able to produce a, a hard copy. Yes. Because there are people who would prefer a hard copy. Well, I was one of these people, I'd say until two years ago. But honestly, books... It was cheaper. Yes. It's and yeah. I'm in Paris. If I want to buy a book in the Caribbean, publish in the Caribbean, I also had had to pay even more to get the um, the book here. Oh, so, to get it from the Caribbean, right? Okay. So it's really hard. And as Caribbean people, I mean, you have Caribbean people all across the world. So let's say you have someone in Japan and the person wants to read a Caribbean book, sometimes it's just easier to just go with the with ebook. Yes, I, I, I understand that. But for the people, um, to, be, to be honest, the biggest readership for my books has been in the US. Um, you have a huge population of, of um, Caribbean people and of Black people who are interested generally in, in Caribbean um, in Caribbean literature, literature, as well as, of course, as people of other races. So, yes, I, 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 and I understand that. I'm just saying that for the people who might want, you can just have that available. And Kindle Direct Publishing makes it very easy. So it's only print on demand. If they want the print book, they order the print book and KDP makes it and sells, sends it out to them. So it, it's, it's very simple. Have you thought about getting your book translated into French or into Spanish? Uh, no, because, well, to be honest, it didn't really sell all that much. And two, I would have to pay as, as, as a self-publisher, I'd have to pay for those costs myself. And I'm not sure. I mean, you'd have to market to you know, that market, you'd have to promote to that market. And I, I really don't know anything about those markets. So I'm very pleased that you read them over there in France, but um, no, I don't think any French versions will be okay. forthcoming. You already kind of give advice, but I have the question about which writing advice would you give to your younger self? I think perhaps to, to not... There was a time after I published Just an Affair where um, I was very concerned with reviews and with what reviewers might say or um, with the romance community. Because, you know, in, in, in the U.S. there's a big romance writers community and so on. 
Um, so perhaps I was a bit overly concerned with romance and what what a romance should be. I mean, um, people talk about a romance template that you know they say boy meets girl and uh, you know shenanigans and then you know they fall in love or whatever. Um, and that's basically the template. It may be a bit different to literary. It's, it, it's different to literary fiction in which anything at all can happen. Um, so I think trying to fit it in, I think you should write as you feel to write, as, as you know, let the writing itself take you where it wants to go. Don't try and shoehorn your plot or your characters um, into a particular template or a particular idea where you think it needs to go. Let them take you where they want to go, where um, you feel they feel that they should go. So, you know, um, Julissa being somebody who has baggage or who has trauma is perhaps not always something that you might encounter in a romance novel. Romance novels tend to be, um, especially by some writers, tend to be very light. You know, it, it, it's like a, a beach read, something that you take to the beach and you can, you know, just slip through it and you're done. But that's not who I wanted to write. So you have to, you have to write what speaks to you. I hope you guys enjoyed this first discussion for the Tim Tim Boafik podcast. Let me know in the comments. Eugenia O'Neill is currently working on a non-fiction book about the history of the Rastafari movement in Grenada. I hope I got the name right because I know the word Grenada is kind of sensitive. People don't like when it's mispronounced. Anyway, <laughs> she's also very active online when it comes to share historical facts about the Caribbean, and uh, she's really about bringing this knowledge to the masses. So make sure to check out her page, Vintage Caribbean, on Facebook and Instagram. And she also has her blog. So from what I understand, she doesn't update that much, but it's okay. You can still go and check it out anyway. It's at eugeniaoneil.blogspot.com. I will put every link in the description box. And you can also follow her on IG at Eugenia O'Neill. Make sure to go and buy her books. She has a lot of books. This Caribbean romance community cannot exist without your support. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out timtimboafik.com for more Caribbean books. You can email me at timtimboafik at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at timtimboafik. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify and core. And to help the podcast to get more visibility, share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and you can give it five stars on Apple Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you à dans d'autres soleils.